Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Nimrodi from Zero Egg, thank you so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Thank you, Neil. So happy to be here. I'm going to try to start uh, in a in a place that has your childhood and food as the two main driving factors. What was your earliest memories of food growing up? What did you eat? Uh, so that's a great way to start uh, because I think things that we do is really very related to the way that we grew up. So I I've basically, like, first of all, I'm, I'm from Israel. I'm located in Israel, born and raised. Um, and as a child, my, my mother is Persian. My father is Tunisian. Um, so I always, I mean, I grew on a very, um, like on a Persian food, lots of herbs um, and greens, rice, uh, very healthy food. And on top of that, my mother was very uh, f- conscious about what we eat and what we put in our body. So she she never bought um, pre-made food or what we call processed food from supermarkets, never sausage, never. It was always what she was preparing, cutting from... Uh, I also grew up in a mushav, which is a countryside in Israel. So we had a lot of... Uh, we grow things and we had chickens that laid, laid eggs in, in our garden and uh, cows. So everything was fresh. Everything was uh, picked and, uh, and, and, and then um, cooked. Uh, so that was my childhood. Um, I also grew up on meat, on meat and dairy and, 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 and eggs. So that, that's, uh, that's part of what we ate. Um, and I think that some, I took the, like this direction of in life, I really was really interested in what we are eating and uh, studied food engineering in the Technion in Israel uh, because I'm I was always fascinated about how our food is made um, and I liked science. So then I studied, uh, you know, the behind the scenes of when we are going to the supermarket and we see this nice package, uh, nice branding, but what's inside is something that was made in the food industry. So I was really interested in understanding how our food is made. Um, so I became a food engineer and worked in the food industry uh, for a couple of years um, and specialized in uh, healthier products on how to reduce fats, um, sugar, increase more, uh, increase the dietary fibers. Um, and then I was exposed really to the food industry from, from, from the production side. And I found out that 
what we are eating is uh, is bad. It's just bad. Uh, it looks nice on the package. It's tasty, but it contains so much bad things that are not good for our, our body. Um, during my when I uh, after studying, I also studied um, yoga. Um, just for my hobby, I became a yoga teacher. But what it gave me is just another look on how what we eat also impacts the, our, our lifestyle and, and the way we function. And so it became like the whole wellness perception of what we eat and what we feed our mind. It's like holistic uh, view. And then I just became very, very, um, like I had this dream to impact the way we eat because I believe and I and I I feel it on myself uh, since I became along the years um, uh, basically a plant-based eater um, that uh, we are what we eat and it impacts everything. Uh, so I have I have this dream to make an impact and just change how we and future generations will eat that we will eat healthier and also that's my fundamental belief is that the animal-based food that we eat um, is really not is not is not what I think we are we, we are we, we're supposed to eat um, mm. so that's in a nutshell yeah so take me back to the your early days as a food scientist what were some of the most shocking things you learned about food engineering and and what it is that we were consuming I think we, it, it's not a topic that has gone away. It's something that is actually quite now lately been very focused on the plant-based food industry um, in terms of what, what is in the products, what's added to it. Oh, what surprised you when, you when you got involved in that industry? So my, my part of being a food engineer and the role that I had in product development, I was really exposed to all the types of food industries uh, that are out there from meat, dairy, candy, baked goods, everything. And one of the debates that are now going on, it's not now, but for like, like I see it a lot, that, that uh, talking about uh, processed food or processed plant-based foods, and you're, you're saying, okay, how many ingredients do you have? And there is someone in LinkedIn just wrote a post and tagged me uh, about an egg. And he said, egg, mm. it's one ingredient. And then in zero egg, you have eight ingredients. So I was responding back, are you counting also the hormones, the antibiotics, uh, all the feed that the, those chickens are, are, eat, are, are eating? You're not counting that. So one of the shocking things, back to your question, that I was exposed to was in the animal, in the, in the animal farming. So when you're eating like a meat and you think it's uh, very healthy because we are thinking about protein. But do we know that this chicken or beef was injected with hormones and with antibiotics? And all of that is, is, is getting into what we eat. I mean, that's part of what we are, we are eating, the animal. And also the feed that she's getting, which is also based on corn. Uh, so we think or we, we have this perception that it's healthy and it's uh, one ingredient, but What's inside it is really, really not healthy. And what I saw uh, most, basically, I mean, I saw it very dominant in the meat industry is also after you get the raw, like the meat, 
it's injected with so many materials to make it tastier, to make the color look bright, and just to make us, uh, you know, want to eat it. So if you're talking about sulfate and sulfate and uh, all kinds of chemicals and um, um, all kinds of uh, uh, hydrocolloids just to keep, uh, to keep it uh, juicy. So that happens after the fact. And all of those ingredients that are injected and that are part of the processing of their, our food, that's the bad things that we should, we should change. We should just uh, uh, switch to something else. And, and when you first um, got aware of all of this and, and decided that maybe you wanted to focus your career and your professional life in the food industry to uh, potentially address some of those challenges or problems and make, it, make a positive impact, what year was this? And did you first start off by changing your own diet before you embarked on the journey to, to launch Zero Egg? I'm, I'm curious about that as well. Yeah, so it's, it was a journey. I, I finished school in my 20s um, and then started working in the food industry. Um, and then I started just uh, reducing from what I was eating. So I, after seeing or even after studying about the, the meat industry, I just stopped eating completely all the meat chicken. Uh, when I learned about and saw the uh, dairy industry, and um, also how it's, um, it's really, um, it just causes the body all kinds of things like creating moisture in our, in our body. So I stopped dairy uh, products and basically went uh, more and more to be just plant-based eater. Uh, when I studied um, uh, the yoga, that was uh, after that, that was after my studies uh, during uh, the, my twenties. Uh, so in the yoga, you have this uh, thing that is called uh, ahimsa, uh, which means uh, do not harm. And the number one or the basic uh, way that we are harming ourselves is in the way that we eat, what we eat, and by overeating. That's the number one. Then it comes. Uh, you know, do not harm animals. But that's a fundamental uh, rule in, in yoga. And also part of yoga, uh, yoga talks about what you eat. So you have things that you eat uh, that create calm and make you very, very focused. And uh, th there are things that you eat that creates you, creates like um, that you are just not distracted, not focused. And that depends on the food. So of course, animal animals or eating animals, that's part of the food that does not make you calm and be on your center because yoga, one, I mean, the, the practice is, is, is to breathe on your center, but also the way you eat. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's very about, very much about eating very close to the ground and eating things that grow and you take and you, and you just eat. And, and that's like, that's the way uh, the yogi or uh, the, the people that practice yoga, that, the way that they eat. So that evolved into that aspect. Um, and, um, and then um, I also did MBA in marketing. And at some point, I switched to marketing and I worked for Nestle for six years in, in a marketing manager. Um, and then I also saw the industry or the food from the 
perception of consumers, so what they what what they think, how do they make decisions? And I saw there that people really they want to eat healthier, but in reality, uh, it's not tasty. I mean, there are the options are not there. Maybe it's because we are so used to eat the processed food that is really it's injected with so many uh, sugar and salt and all kind of uh, enhancers. So we are also our palate is already used to some kind of food. So people just couldn't make the the, the switch. And at some point, I just saw how these perceptions of people that want to eat healthier became actions. So they, they were in a, when, we, when we saw it in research, how there are shifts to, uh, towards healthier categories. And then uh, that was the point when I said, okay, now I, I, I want to I join uh, the, 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 the companies, the new companies that are taking this uh, shift and just becoming a part of it. And that was the point. Mm. That was around, uh, that was four and a half years ago. Uh, and then I, I just uh, I started Zero Egg, um, which is a completely you know that's a yeah story. Let's dive into that. So why why eggs? Uh, why did you pick uh, plant based eggs as what you were going to be focused on? Where did that? Uh, what led up to that decision? Really? Yeah. Um, so here in Israel, uh, it's a it's a startup nation. So part of this culture or the Israeli culture is uh, there are a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, and also, um, I mean, science, food, uh, startups, tech, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really part of the economy here in Israel. Uh, so when I wanted to, uh, to, to, to do the shift, I went to uh, uh, Strauch's The Kitchen Hub. That's a startup hub that uh, was uh, opened here in Israel and supported by the government. So the Israeli government really support uh, building um, building the startup nation, and I went there and, and I told uh, I told them I, I really want to join. I want to join this. I want to be part of your uh, what you're doing here. So if you have an idea, I would love to build a company. So they introduced me to the inventor of Zero Egg, who came with a prototype of an egg, a plant-based egg. Uh, he worked uh, on that for a couple of years. Since he, he's an industry person, came from the Israeli industry and saw the demand for plant-based eggs from the industry side, uh, from a production side. So when I saw the prototype, and I, I know that eggs are area that is so hard to replace, and there are not a lot of players, and not good enough solutions. So I saw the potential of making an impact. And that's how I started Zerag. So I co-founded the company uh, with my co-founder, the inventor, and I did it in the, the kitchen hub. The, that were Strauss and the Israeli Innovation Authority were the first investors. And that's how it started. It was four and a half years ago. And, you know, you mentioned Israel being an innovation hub, um, and lately it's become an innovation hub in the food space as well, especially with uh, plant-based and even cultivated meat and other new technologies. Mm-hmm. What what do you think is the reason for that? Can you give me some more insights into why is it that so many technology forward entrepreneurs um, are coming out of Israel right now? Yeah, it's it's a question a question I get a lot, and um, especially from people outside of the of the U.S. Um, and we're talking about it also here internally. Why why Israeli people are 
uh, why, why is this this the startup is so uh, massive? And there are a couple of reasons why it happens. Why is because um, you know we don't have um, we don't have resource we don't we don't have oil we don't have resources here. So creating uh, the economy is just just that invention just to invent and, and take new ideas. So that that's that's number one. And number number two, I think, is very connected to uh, the situation Israeli or the or the army. So uh, kids at the age of eighteen, when I was eighteen, uh, everyone is joining the army. And then when I mean, this there are three. It's it's three years basically that you serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are going to very dangerous uh, positions, uh, like the the men's, um, also women today. Uh, but growing up really fast and being in um, in, a, in an environment that makes that makes you take the sh- decisions, uh, it builds the character and it's part of the, the character of of also of being a, an entrepreneur and having to make really this being a very decision maker and lead uh, being a leader. That's also something that the army is um, is, uh, is is making you do. Uh, so you can see a lot of startups that like three um, men that are friends from the, from the army and they're just opening uh, a startup. So I think that also builds the character. And the third thing, I think it's our nature, the Israeli nature of taking risks. And um, so uh, being also in this environment, which is very uh, unexpected. Uh, you, you, I mean, we're, you're always under danger or always under... Um, uh, so that so that's uh, and if you think of a startup with, with the uncertainty, so I think Israeli people are more adjusted to this environment. Yeah, it's 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 so true. I mean, I think what you said, uh, obviously, anecdotally from my interactions with people from Israel that I've met them in in New York or um, actually also while traveling the world, I would always run into Israeli people and. Whether I was in South America and we, I would have a tour guide because sometimes you go to remote places, but the, mm-hmm. you would ask people, like, how how do all the other tourists do it? And, and the response I would typically get is, um, everyone always has a tour guide except the Israelis. They just go out on their own and they figure it out, <laughs> which which I, I think sums up the, the, the spirit and the resilience and the... Yeah. Kind of a risk-taking uh, attitude um, that that people from Israel tend to have. So that's yeah. that's very interesting. And I think it's. I mean, it's great that it's being applied now um, in the world of food. I know in, in the world of technology in general, it's been the case for a few years now. But it, it's really interesting to see uh, companies coming out of Israel and now making inroads in the U.S. and across the world. So that's that's something we need to keep mm-hmm. an eye on because I think there's going to be a lot more coming from there. Um, yeah. So plant-based eggs, um, it, it seems like you, you met someone who had developed a product um, that in the, in the early days of the industry, at least in this new wave of innovation that happened in the last five or six years, kind of what was the first step you took? Um, I mean, because it's a long way to go from having a prototype as a product. And we were sort of discussing this before we started recording today. I think a lot of companies have emerged in the last five, six years, that it, they all had great products. At least most of them had great products um, using innovative 
ingredients and new technologies. In many some in some of these cases, the companies really all they had was a product, and you need much more than a product to build a food company. Um, so, what? How did you approach it? I know obviously you had a food science background. You also had an MBA. Uh, I'm assuming you came in as the business lead, uh, and mm-hmm. and where did you take it? What was the, what were the early years like? Because you've been at this journey now for a few years. What was that like compared to where you are now? Um, yeah, so I, I came. I mean, my 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 background gave me this uh, this view of understanding food food industry from the science side and all the way to building a brand a brand and understanding uh, needs and. Uh, and how the product or the food should should answer needs, and so it all needs to be uh, connected in order to succeed. You can't, you know, just have like you say one angle which is fixed, which that's a great product, but it's not in the right size or portion or serving or channel. Or so it it has to be really thought out uh, 360 from I mean, all from all the aspects. Um, so when I started, so first of all, it was about building the R&D center, which is here in Israel, and then working on the prototype uh, that was the first, uh, I mean, that's what we started from, and really taking it uh, into um, a first um, a deeper development process um, and uh, taking our technology and, and just uh, take it deeper in order to improve the prototype and to make it to a product that is uh, good and then do the commercialization. And we chose uh, to start from in the U.S. since um, just since the just because uh, it's more developed um, market in terms of plant-based and uh, also our, our investors uh, are from the U.S. So we had um, a good a relationship uh, to uh, to start uh, opening doors here um, and um, second was the strategy so to think where to start from and uh, thinking it through we decided to start from food service and first find find the right market fit um, uh, so that that was our first step uh, last year we start we, we uh, start that was our first year of sales in food service, um, we are distributing in the through the biggest uh, distributors in the U.S. And basically, um, we found the the market fit. So, uh, how our product fits the food service in terms of ease of use and um, adjusted to, to to food service customers and what they need in terms of operation. Um, and um, so. Um, that that was our path. We do see also retail coming in the future, but uh, we wanted first to establish Zurich through food service, through restaurants, universities, uh, before we are stepping into uh, to retail. Uh, obviously, I have a lot more questions about that decision, and and we'll get into it. But w- what do you generally think of um, the state of the plant based? egg opportunity or the industry i mean it, you can't really call it an industry because there's until very recently there were only a couple of players who were who had products in the market that is obviously changing um for some context i mean i was as i mentioned to you before we started recording i was reading up the the recent data that came out from the plant-based foods association uh about 
the market, uh, the retail market numbers for plant-based foods in various categories and comparing them to uh, sales data for their animal-based counterparts. And it's, the plant-based eggs is a is an exciting category as opposed to some other categories that maybe have have had slower growth. There's growth overall, but has slower growth. Plant-based eggs uh, in 2022 seems to have had not just double-digit growth in unit sales, but also dollar sales. And when you compare that to the animal-based eggs, which have had increase in, in dollar sales, partly because prices have risen in the last year, and there's been a decline in unit sales. So that's, you know, if you want mm-hmm. one simple explanation of the opportunity, and as it stands right now, that's it. We're, you know, animal-based eggs are getting more expensive and declining in sales in terms of numbers. And plant-based eggs is rising both in terms of unit sales and dollar sales. So the opportunity is there, I feel. But plant-based eggs from a perspective of an everyday consumer is still regarded as somewhat of an unknown mm-hmm. category. And and part of it is consumers don't know why they need to be consuming plant-based eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, of course, if they, if they match the price and it's cheaper, then then maybe that's a good incentive to try it. Yeah. And secondly, I think it's um, availability, right? It's still not widely available. Yeah. Um, so how do you view the state of the industry right now as it stands in 2023? So so first, the egg, uh, plant-based egg industry, it's really uh, starting. It's, it's just starting. It's, it's very early stage of the category. There is uh, uh, one major player here uh, that really built the awareness of the category just uh, so that's we see great numbers in the retail. So we see that uh, that's one of the fastest growing plant-based uh, category. Um, but it's still very uh, early. And again, we, we are very what we are interested in, in understanding, like you said, why should people eat plant-based egg? Why? What's the reason? And from from what we have we, we are analyzing and also did, a consumer research uh, with one of our customers, one of a big uh, a brunch breakfast uh, chain. So we check, we, we asked uh, consumers that came and just ordered zero egg dish. Why did you choose? Uh, why did you choose plant based egg? Uh, so first, forty uh, percent of the uh, uh, people said that they are not vegan or vegetarian. So that's regular consumers. And when we, when we asked why. So they said the number one reason is health reasons. Uh, and what I think, I personally think, is that the plant-based uh, eggs are going to follow the footsteps of the milk. And they are very similar and they are not, um, and unlike the meat, the meat is a different animal. People like they, their meat, they want to eat their meat. And there is like a battle on how to bring the exact taste, texture, experience. The milk and the eggs are very similar. It's more like an ingredient that once you get something which is satisfying and has good um, and, and is healthy, then I think that's when consumers will do the shift because in eggs you have allergen, uh, allergy, so it's a big allergy. The hormones, antibiotics, it's, there is the big, big issue with the cholesterol. That's a very, very high cholesterol uh, product. Uh, Doctors are uh, uh, recommending to eat only two in a week. 
So that's very similar to um, to milk. And if you if you look at the milk industry, uh, uh, the plant based, how it evolved. Once you got we, we got into a good product that are tasty, they don't taste like milk, but they are tasty, they are satisfying, they are um, filling the the need. Then it became uh, something that uh, has forty percent penetration and fifty percent of the categories. So I think that's that's where eggs are going to go. It's an ingredient. It's a platform for eggs are even more platforms since you need it's uh, something that you cook with, you make quiche, like almost everything that you do, you need the eggs. So once mm-hmm. we, uh, first the awareness will become bigger and the health perception will push people to use the healthier eggs. So that, that's how I see it evolving. So that's a great segue to my to the, the question that always comes up, which is, are plant-based products, in this case eggs, uh, in, ca- in this case zero egg, living up to the health promise? What's your response? What is zero egg made of? How can consumers not have to worry about that, but actually be encouraged by the way you make the product uh, and it's something that they can potentially incorporate in their diet every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I think that in the starting from the meat alternative, uh, I think what happened with, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the label. I think some products, um, really, um, the label was far, far um, um, just unreasonably long with ingredients and lots of ingredients there that um, that are not healthy. So I, I understand the, 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 the process and the, the perception. And I think that's what also... It caused the category to uh, now to um, um, that the, the growth is uh, is uh, st- is uh, not happening. Not, not, it's not it's not growing, and also because of the taste and experience. Um, so number one, I think now for plant based products and brands is really to bring um, a clean a clean label or a cleaner label. I mean, you, you can't make plant based uh, plant based product with one ingredient. You can't make it with we just can't because it's 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 something that is um, that is a, a, you need to create the the texture the experience so you need to use several ingredients but the question is what do you use uh, so in Zurich the the main ingredients are plant proteins so we are using plant proteins our technology is around analyzing proteins and then understanding uh, the relate the, the correlation between the structure and the functionality so that's the base ingredients. Um, and then uh, there are also a couple of hydrocolloids, a natural color and flavor. And when we are working now on our next generation of products, so it's all about reducing the ingredient uh, number um, to the minimum, um, taking the proteins um, technology uh, to, to, um, to, to, to bring the product more functionality. So that's our focus on how to create a more a cleaner uh, product. And today we have relatively a clean ingredient list. We have eight ingredients. And I think that it's healthier than eggs. You have zero cholesterol there. It's based on plant proteins, less calories, less fat. Uh, so definitely, I think when you compare it to egg, it's healthier. I mean, I would eat it and, and uh, I, I would prefer it over eggs. Um, so, um, 
Um, but we, but again, it will never be one ingredient. So this um, mm-hmm. this pro- I don't know if it's propaganda, but this marketing tool to, to to compare one ingredient it's 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 not it's not right thing to do because this one ingredient consists a lot of ingredients that are mm-hmm. not healthy for you. Yeah, and of course, keep in mind majority of the eggs people are consuming are from factory farms, right? We're not necessarily um, yeah. attacking the backyard chickens or the uh, smaller farms who are perhaps are being more careful about the ingredient choices when they feed their chickens and are avoiding hormones and pesticides. Uh, not to say there's no issues with eggs itself, but they are not the vast majority of eggs sold in the U.S. or around the world. The mm-hmm. vast majority are uh, industrial farms. By no means are they healthy or uh, sustainable. And I think on both those fronts, plant-based wins um, yeah. by, by a very clear margin. Yeah, yeah we, we didn't even touch the cruelty because, uh, you know, we didn't touch there. But that's uh, first a cruel industry. And second, it's unsustainable industry. So, uh, yeah, that's two aspects uh, that are on top of the health aspects. Yeah. And so you mentioned the choice you made from a, from a, mark, from a business standpoint or a go-to-market standpoint was to focus firstly on food service rather than trying to do it all at once. And I, what I mean by do it all at once is many companies in the last few years um, not just not in the egg category necessarily, but across um, other plant-based food categories, meat um, especially, have tried to uh, you know tackle the market on multiple fronts and go into retail as quickly as possible, which has proved to be challenging for some companies, and you know sort of a reflection of the current state of the industry because retail is expensive, it's it's hard, it's um, building consumer awareness and loyalty and repeat purchases is just not easy and it takes time. So what was the decision on your front to go after a food service? Yeah, so our thinking was uh, around a couple of things. One, because the category is very early, in early days and not really mature, we, we wanted to start from a food service and also gain knowledge and understanding about exactly what are the needs, what are the, what are people are looking for to do it also through serving through chefs. So, uh, you know, that the first uh, touch point will be um, um, from, from the chef's hands. So, uh, and, and so we'll get input um, from that, um, uh, from that channel before we are going into retail. And when I look at retail, there is a massive opportunity to, expand the retail shelf so it's it's a plant it's of course a liquid but i think there is a room for a, a, a heat and heat and serve or a easy to use uh, more items uh, so there there is going to be um, this this the shelf is going to evolve so we definitely see ourselves getting into the retail uh, but we really wanted first to learn um, and to learn consumers from from the food service channel, which is uh, there is less risk there, there is less capital that you need to invest in order to get in, 
Um, so that that was that was the that was our the way of the way that we thought about uh, um, building the company. Yeah, and you know the stage we are now in the industry. There's a lot of noise. I mean, you alluded to this earlier. Whether it's uh, some of it's propaganda, some of it's true. Um, most of it is negative at the moment, actually, surrounding, especially in the media, surrounding plant-based foods in general and the state of the industry. Um, and for most casual observers, it's kind of hard to separate fact from fiction. Honestly, it, it feels like obviously some companies have not done a great job finding a product market fit over the last few years um, and have in some cases maybe even been not to be harsh, but out of touch with what consumers actually want. Um, I've even recently saw an investor who who had a who was on a panel who said something to that effect that there was so much money in this space. There was so much anyone who had money was putting it into any company in the plant based food space without thinking too hard about what consumers actually want. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of mistakes made and some missteps. And unfortunate reality is that some of these early companies uh, will not survive mm -hmm. and either will get absorbed by bigger ones or uh, at best or or shut down. And that's starting to happen in the space. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that the entire industry has reached uh, some sort of a plateau. In fact, the opposite is true. If you look at the numbers, there is growth in all categories. Uh, and this is just a normal function of um, sort of boom and bust cycles that tend to happen in um, any new innovative industry. So I do think that there's, we have to address the challenges and the negative press, but we cannot get so wrapped up in it that we uh, we start to focus all on responding to the criticism versus actually talking about the reality of what the industry is and the growth that is happening in some categories. So I guess my question here really is, what is your take on what's happening at in the industry at large in across categories? What, what's your, how do you look at the broader industry, especially in a space where you're trying to raise money and maybe some investors are starting to, to, to go a little cold um, on the prospect of putting money into a plant-based food company because they believe some of the press that seems to imply that it's, it's over. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I see a lot of investors saying that uh, they're not sure about the category at all because of what's happened with, basically with Beyond and Oatly. Uh, in the meat alternative category. What I think is that uh, pe consumers, people uh, shift or what they want to eat is, is there. I mean, th that's a trend. That's the trend that is that is happening. Uh, the question is how we, as the industry, how we will react and just uh, adjust or bring the right products to answer the needs. So you see now the cultured meat that will bring another aspect. I'm sure in a couple of years that will take a share. And you see fermented products that are uh, that are also and, and are also going towards answering the need of bringing like the the, the real real thing. Uh, but what I think that will happen is just um, uh, the right products that will answer consumer needs, which means that uh, the label will be uh, a good label that the taste and texture or the experience will be good for that consumer that will like it that will be tasty that's the products that are going to to win so it's now it's like a there was a boom of so many companies and so many products 
but I think that the, the ones that will survive are the ones that uh, consumers will choose. And uh, the, the, the category is, is going to grow. I mean, it's not category. It's, it's, it's the way that we eat. The way that we eat is going to shift. And I know that for sure. Because I'm looking at the young generation, what they say, and I compare it to me when I grew, grew up. So it's a completely different uh, it's completely different mindset. They are looking at what they are eating. They are looking on what it causes the environment. They are looking at the health. I mean, my son is 11 and he's aware of how much sugar in this product is and what it's made of. And he's 11. When I was 11, I ate whatever my parents gave me. So it's a different mindset. And that's the young generation. And they are choosing differently. So uh, the, 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 the consumption is going to keep changing. It just the what it, it just uh, what left is which products will uh, will will just be there or meet meet the, the meet, meet the needs. Yeah, and what do you think the that some of the and this may be a hard question for you to answer, and feel free to say that it's it's beyond the scope of what you can um, opine on. But what do you think the other companies have done wrong? Right, frankly, because there has been some missteps from a few companies. And some things have not exactly gone according to plan. So let's take it from a consumer lens. Maybe I'll refine the question to make it more about what we, if we have a sense of what consumers want, how is it that some companies seem to have not done the right thing or taken the right approach? Yeah, I think it is a hard question first. And I think I'm not, I'm not sure I have the full picture to answer that, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, and also, I don't know what, you know, what, what, what does it mean done wrong? I mean, you can look at it on s- several aspects. Uh, I think that some meat alternative companies, from my, in my perspective, just, way, just took the products into an era which is super, super non-label uh, that just consumers now is reading and just, just can't eat it. And there was some kind of a hype around trying it. And now the question, is it really that good? So I think maybe that was something that uh, things, uh, I don't know if went wrong, but um, created like a pause. Uh, But I I think it's premature or for me to say what companies, I mean, it's happening right now. So we just have to wait and just see. That's true. We have to wait. That is true. I think if anything, it'll be... If anyone knows exactly what went wrong, yeah, they obviously they <laughs> are going to they're going to tell you a wrong answer too because yeah. it's multiple factors, right? It's it's maybe spent money in the wrong places or made know. the wrong assumptions. Yeah. It could be so many different factors that have led to some slowdown in consumer excitement, maybe in the category, uh, in some of the categories. But you know, I guess it, for me, it all comes down to, and maybe this is being over overly simplistic, and I'm and I'm trying to find a quick solution to a much, much bigger problem. Um, because the problem is pretty complicated. It's got aspects to it that really cannot be addressed in a short conversation or even an hour-long conversation. But I do know that two things are true, is that what we do know for, from consumers is they choose plant-based for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they try the product, they want it to deliver on taste and texture. And of course, it has to be at a price point where they can keep coming back and buying more. And if those three things we do know, we need to try to focus on those three things and not stray from it and kind of address them more than we address anything else. I think 
just having a novel product is not good enough anymore if you don't pay attention to obviously the health perception and secondly and i I don't, I don't mean perception alone. I think you have to make sure your product is good. Um, and then, of course, price, right? That's always going to be an issue um, in, in any market. So I do think that, I think if you tackle the problem in those with those three things at the back of your mind and you deliver something in a, in a narrative, in a story, in a, in a brand that, that consumers can resonate with, and, you know, consumer is also such a broad term because different demographics and, um, at least who your core customer is, you need to understand them and deliver that promise to them. And, and then it actually becomes simple. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen it happen. I've, I've seen it. When you give people who've never tried plant-based food something that they can afford, that they love the taste of, and that they know they're making the right choice for their own health, they keep coming back for more. And yeah. that's just maybe my my personal experience, but I've seen it happen and it, there's no reason why we can't figure it out at scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you touched exactly the, and we are reading about it all the time. So, you, I mean, that's, and I think that's true. It's just, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not what, it's how, then how, how do you tackle it? But it's health going exactly taste and texture and then the price point. That's, that's, that's the story. Now the question is how, how companies are going to deliver deliver that in what way yeah so how do you think in in the plant based egg category where we've said there's there's one key player and a, and a few new ones emerging how do you differentiate yourself because that has been another challenge in the plant based meat space right talking about things gone wrong or mistakes done there were too many products that were the same very little differentiation between them very little difference in branding in some cases even and it, it, for the end consumer, it became difficult to distinguish one from the other. And the moment one had a bad reputation, the rest fell along with it because they all mm-hmm. tried to copy the first one. Mm-hmm. How do we avoid that in other categories? Because plant-based milks has, has not done that. It's actually a pretty diverse category. Obviously, there are some, some key leaders, but maybe maybe that's a good comparison let's see what we can learn from the liquid milk category and see how we can apply that to eggs versus doing the let's make another burger that looks like mm-hmm. impossible or beyond and make it make the packaging look the same so consumers buy your product yeah uh, so the way that we we are looking at 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 it is that um and that's our differentiation is that egg is uh, an ingredient that is uh, very, very um, um, versatile. So our differentiation in the market from day one is that Zero Egg can make so many things that egg can do, uh, from scrambling to omelet to baked good. Um, so we want to bring you something that you can switch from eggs to, to Zero Egg. So bringing this culinary and versatility and the richness of, of uh, the taste, texture, functionality, that's, why, that's, that's how we uh, differentiated ourselves from competition. And that's what we want to bring also to retail, which is missing right now, is bring this uh, versatility to, to, to consumers so they can take it and just pour it into the pan and just pour it into a cake and just replace the eggs. Why? Because it's healthier. Stop, period. I mean, that's, that's the reason. And if we are, we spoke about the, the milk, once it's tasty and satisfying, um, then, and of course, uh, the label is good, 
then then I think that's where you crack uh, the, that's where you crack uh, the what consumer what consumer make them shift from from the regular eggs and then come the price so we are targeting uh, the cage free prices in the next couple of years so price point should be around we want to be around the premium eggs um, so um, and so that's uh, that's the way that we are tackling the the egg category and we see ourselves again as a platform and also a brand that collaborates with other brands because to make a dish it's not eggs it, it, it's like a celebration of other ingredients so to collaborate with other brands to bring a complete offering to consumers yeah this that's such an exciting opportunity even eventually in retail once you once you say in the prepared foods or frozen food category there's there's so much to explore there so from 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 consumer standpoint people listening uh, who may have never tried zero egg most of my audience is in the US and some outside but let's just focus on the US audience for now where can where can consumers find your product what what if listening to this has gotten them interested excited um to try zero egg um where would that be and what's what's coming in the next few months um that's that's exciting from your end so we're selling um uh, food service uh, we are focused on a, a couple of cities that we are uh, what we are expanding in it's uh, boston in new york uh la uh selling restaurants universities and other uh, food service operators um and um, this year is about expanding. It's expanding our footprint in uh, in the food in the food service in the U.S. And what's the longer term plan? How do you see this? Um, have you obviously you've probably charted out a timeline for where you hopefully want to be in the next five to ten years? Uh, let's start to look a little ahead. Where, where do you see Zero Egg? Um, say five years from now, um, what would you ideally like? the company to be doing then and in terms of its footprint channels of distribution um, sales brand impact all of it uh, so, so fo- the the mar- the focus uh, our focus market is the US so starting from food service we are also working with uh, other industrial brands so we're collaborating um, next for us is uh, getting into retail that's our next um, milestone on the horizon and outside of the US we are uh, working with uh, with uh, on on penetrating different markets, so we just signed um, a licensing agreement with a big player in Japan. So getting into Japan this year, and you know, in our we're looking five years, so we are targeting uh, also other markets um, in in the next five years. Uh, yeah. Again, collaborating with big uh, with players that. Uh, that can take uh, carry Zurich brand into uh, uh, the new market. So five years is really establishing ourselves and the brand in the U.S., including retail, and getting into more markets uh, around the world. Great. And, you know, I've been asking this question since I started this podcast back in 2017, and it felt like 2050 was very far off at that point, and it's <laughs> It's coming closer and closer, um, obviously, as the years go by. Um, I don't know if I'll still be doing this podcast in 2050, but I am I am curious where the food system will be like. And 
what people will be eating. So I'm I'm interested to learn more what you think people will be eating in the year 2050. Um, you know, best case scenario, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's my list. Uh, that's a question. It's, I, I mean, it's hard for me. I'm not uh, uh, to predict what will happen. I'm, I'm sure there are people that are good in uh, predicting the future uh, better than uh, me. But uh, just I, I'll, give, I'll give you my answer, which is probably very banal, banal answer. But I do think that uh, the way that even our supermarket will look will be completely different. It will be um, um, less and less um, animal-based products. I think they will the the the, the plant-based or it will grow not just from the plant-based, but other technologies are going to get in space. It's either cell-based or uh, cultivated. Uh, but what what, me, what it means is just bringing the food from different sources that are not from animals. Um, so I think that that's where we are heading. It, 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 it's not just plant-based. It will be from other technologies that are evolving and there will be more, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I think this shift is just going to continue. And by, 20, by 2050, I hope it will be 50-50. <laughs> that's my hope. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't gotten that far in 2050, then obviously we're <laughs> in trouble and the food system is in trouble. But, yeah. you know, it's uh, it, it's good to have a positive outlook, obviously, because we still have time to work on it. And we are obviously um, doing our best to move this industry forward. But you're right, there's new technologies coming. Um, food is an exciting space, but I think it's important for us to uh, not lose sight of the fact that it's food and um, it's it's not... People don't eat technology, they eat food. And mm -hmm. the reason they eat food isn't because it's high tech. <laughs> the reason they eat food <laughs> is because it gives them joy and it satisfies them and it meets their needs and it nourishes yeah. them and hopefully keeps them healthy and helps them live till 2050. Exactly. So yeah, we have to make sure our food delivers on that promise. So, you know, I'm, I'm personally, this is, I've been very interested in your company. I know we first met about a year ago, uh, more than a year ago now, maybe, and um and soon we'll be launching zero egg in Plantega locations across New York City, um, and I'm I'm excited to see how that is, um, how that evolves. I mean, as we continue to grow and as we, you know, test some of these things that we've been talking about today, whether it is what drives consumer decisions, what gets them excited, how can you make, how can you use zero egg in combination with other exciting products to create. Um, a menu item that that consumers are delighted by and come back for again and again and um in, in all our testing the product is really um has just been amazing and so i just can't wait to get that launched it's going to happen soon and uh so we're going to be working together for a while so i'm i'm glad we finally got a chance to sit down and have a much broader conversation than we what we've normally had um but I think that's one thing to look forward to for me, at least selfishly this year. <laughs> yeah, we, we are more excited than you, Neil. So very excited to <laughs> collaborate with Plantega. It's, an, uh, I think, super innovative uh, concept. Um, and we, are, we, can't just, we, we can't wait to scale, uh, scale, scale up with you. Uh, it will be, I'm sure it will be a, um, um, a great, great collaboration. Awesome, Liron. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I can't wait to continue this discussion as the space involve, evolves. Um, you know, we, uh, 
you know what the best part of working in this industry i do think is that is is coming across other passionate uh people who are driven by the same or similar reasons that i am and that are willing to you know fight the good fight despite headwinds which obviously will happen uh both as just an entrepreneur but also in generally what's happening in this space particularly right now um, so I think the next few years is going to require people, uh, good people to stick together and, and collaborate. And, um, and that, so I personally, I think that's what's going to change the space. We have really smart, innovative, passionate people who are willing to work together. And I think that's one way we can, um, we can take this industry and the excited category of eggs alone, but also the entire industry forward. Um, as we we kind of continue to grow and evolve and hopefully get to that great place you want to be in 2050. Yeah, yeah, let's do it together. <laughs> You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, all you have to do is subscribe to the show and rate and review it. To learn more about this podcast or my work, go to eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Thank you for listening. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details